when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. All righty, welcome back to another episode of From Hostage to Hero. Today we're talking about eye contact, probably the most misunderstood nonverbal of all nonverbals. You know, when I'm working with people in terms of nonverbal communication, we talk a lot about eye contact, we talk about uh, body language in terms of how you're holding your body your head, um, your palms, your stance. We talk about voice pattern. We talk about gesturing. We talk about breathing. We talk about movement. But eye contact is the one, even the 20 plus years I've been in this work, the one nonverbal that is the most misunderstood. And here's why. It's what we think eye contact means. And because we think this is what eye contact means, we do all kinds of weird shit, particularly when we are presenting or in court or dealing with jurors. So here's what we think eye contact means. When I ask my seminar attendees, you know, what do you think eye contact means? Most of them will shout out this word and here's it. Here's what it is. Respect. Meaning you give eye contact to respect someone, to show respect, to show them respect because you're listening to them, to show them respect because you're taking them seriously. In other words, you know, it's not so much that eye contact means respect. It's that we feel that not making eye contact is disrespectful. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Uh, because lots of times when I ask what eye contact means, people will say it means, you know, tension and devotion and blah, blah, blah. And that's all can be true. All those things can be true. But when the, we come to the flip side of what we think it means when we don't make it, we get back to this respect or disrespect type of thing. Now, if we believe that eye contact equals respect or that not making it means you're being disrespectful, that causes us to do a lot of weird things because we're training now to never break eye contact. And if we do, we're being disrespectful. So now we're constantly trying to make it. And that can do a lot of, of, of negative things. For example, when we make eye contact, it to couple things. It first of all, eye contact attaches information. So, for example, if I am at a meeting and I say it's very important that everyone, and then I turn and I look at Bob, arrive on time. Even though I haven't said Bob's name, by looking at him, I have clearly communicated <laughs> that Bob is the reason why I'm saying this, that Bob is the one who never comes to meetings on time. So eye contact connects information. And you might imagine, thinking through this, that you don't always want to be associated with the information that is being communicated at that point. For example, let's take objections. So let's say that you're standing in front of the jury and you're doing your voir dire or your opening statement and opposing counsel yells, objection. Now, if you maintain eye contact with the jury, the jury, of course, is going to look back at you because here's another thing about eye contact. People are trained to follow our eyes, not our hands. So they're going to look at us, right? Because we're looking at them. That's just the social contract here, at least in the Western part of the world. So the social contract is you make eye contact, the other person meets the eye contact. Now, if the objection gets yelled, 
That means the jurors are looking at you and they're going to associate the objection with you. Why? Because they're looking at you. So that means you did something wrong to get objected to. If, however, the, obje- the opposing counsel calls objection and you turn and you look at the opposing counsel, this is kind of amazing. The jury will now turn and look at the opposing counsel because, again, they're going to follow your eyes. They're going to follow where you're looking. If you don't believe me, <laughs> go to coffee with someone and look over their shoulder at some point. It will be nearly impossible for them not to turn and look at what you're looking at. We are so trained to follow people's eyes. So if you turn and you look at the opposing counsel, then the jury will look at the opposing counsel and now they will associate the objection with them, right? Why are you interrupting what this nice attorney is doing? So eye contact attaches information. However, if you are walking around with the idea that you must always make eye contact and never break it, you would never be able to use this little trick. Because in your mind, the incorrect, it's an incorrect story, but in your mind, the story is, I always need to make eye contact because it's respectful. No, you absolutely don't. And by doing that, you miss these opportunities to direct the jury's attention to where you want it to be directed to, right? You want them thinking, why is this person interrupting versus I did something wrong, okay? There's one example. Here's another example is that it directs people's attention. So we talked about how people follow your eyes, not your hands. So for example, when we are in the courtroom and we have a visual that we are using, we want the jurors to look at the visual. But if you follow the conventional advice of never breaking eye contact, then you start doing some weird stuff. Meaning you'll have a visual, whether that's a PowerPoint or poster board or flip chart in the the, uh, courtroom, and you'll point at it Like, here's the spine, and here's what we're talking about is this little area in between here, the facet joint, whatever it is you're talking about, and yet you're still looking at the jury. Now, if you do this, the next time you do it, I want you to notice something. The jury will never look at the visual when you're looking at them because, again, what I just said, they follow your eyes, not your hands. So you can point at the visual all fucking day long, but they will never look there until you look there. But again, if you have this story that eye contact equals respect and I have to constantly make eye contact, you'll never get the juror to look at the visual because you won't look there. You'll continue to look at the jury. They don't follow your hands, people. They follow your eyes. Here's the thing. Jurors can't look two places at once. So if you're giving them eye contact, you are non-verbally communicating. Even if you say, look up here. Your nonverbals speak louder than your words. Research backs me up on this. And they will continue to look at at you. And not only that, you've now confused the jury because you've said one thing, but you're nonverbally communicating the other. You've said, look up here, but you're nonverbally communicating, but still look at me. And now they're confused on top of not looking at your your, um, visual. Believe me, out of all the nonverbal skills, (laughs) my mock juries back me up on this every single time. They just won't look at the visual if you don't look at the visual. Here's another example of eye contact and having this story and how it does not serve you. Eye contact doesn't allow people to process. In our seminars, I'll have seminar attendees look at each other and I'll say, okay, lock eye contact and do not look away no matter what. Now solve this math problem, 27 times 13, and they just can't do it. It's almost like their brain explodes. Why? They all have to look away because they want to process in their head. You know, in the last podcast, we talked about the three levels of listening. If you haven't 
gone and listened to that one, I highly recommend you go and check it out. Because here's the thing about the three levels of listening. The level one listening is where you listen to yourself, your in, your inner chatter. And we don't want to be there, particularly in voir dire. Level two is where you are listening to someone else. In this case, we're talking about the jurors. And in level three, you're listening to your intuition. You're listening to what's not being said. You're listening to what's in the room. You're listening to what the group, how the group is responding, so on and so forth. We talked in the last podcast about how you want to constantly be in level two and three, all right? Level two being the science of listening and level three being the art of listening. But when we're talking about voir dire, who do we want in level one? We want the jurors in level one. We want them processing. We want them inside their heads and thinking about the principles in our case. Now, the number one way that we get jurors to go into level one listening is to give them the gift of listening to them, right? So if I'm really listening to the juror, my level two, that gives them the gift of being able to go inside and process. Uh, And that's one of the things that we talk about in our seminars about how jurors need to be in level one, not you. And by going into your level two, you need to meet them. That, that will help them go into level one. So eye contact, add that picture or that piece to the picture. And now when you are giving the gift of listening and the jurors going in their level one, oftentimes, not always, this is why I said last in the last podcast, you want to give eye contact until you see the jurors start to have problems processing. Some jurors, they, they want to maintain that eye contact with you and then they can't process. And so you've got to take the eye contact away. It actually allows them to breathe and go inside and think about what you've just asked them so that they are able to answer it. And yet, again, if you have this idea that you never avoid eye contact, I wouldn't say avoid, you never break eye contact then you'd never know this. You just keep making eye contact. And I think a lot of you do this in voir dire and jurors have problem processing. And then you come out and you go, I hate voir dire. Jurors never talk to me, blah, 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 blah. It's so hard. Well, yeah, if you're not carefully watching your jurors to see if they're having problems processing and then taking the eye contact away. Now, when I say take the eye contact away, I'm not asking you to look at the floor, look at the ceiling. What I am asking you to do is just to train your eyes to, to be off the juror from it, still keep your head tilted toward them, still keep your body facing them. Just take the eye contact away. Have all the other nonverbals listening, the nodding, even maybe the sounds of mm-hmm. All of those things, a tilted head, just avert the eyes as they get back on their subject. And then you can look at them once they're back on, on track. But again, having the story that eye contact equals uh, respect you wouldn't allow yourself to do this. And what I'm telling you is eye contact is not equal respect. I'll tell you what it equals in just a minute. Fourth example, fourth and final example. I mean, there are more examples, but this is the last one I'm going to tell you today. That is this idea (laughs) that because you can't break eye contact, you try to maintain it constantly in court, and then you start walking really oddly. I mean, literally, I've seen this. You scissor step, you back up, you you walk disjointedly. Oh my gosh, you guys, you need to stop. It's okay to break eye contact. It's all right to look and turn and walk the other way in the courtroom. Whether you're talking, whether you're listening, at various points in trial. Because here's the thing I think you need to understand about listening. This is very, uh, the podcast is very connected to the last one. Is that you can listen without eye contact, right? One of the things we train our, our tri- trial attorneys here in the studio is we can listen by transferring the eye contact to the ear. 
Meaning if you need to move away from a juror who is talking, and there are a variety of reasons why you might want to do that, and we'll talk about that in a future podcast. To be able to do that, you need to break the eye contact so that you can walk like a normal fucking human being and not look like a weirdo. So what you need to do is instead of just turning and walking away, which does appear rude, you transfer your eye contact to the ear, meaning you keep the ear trained on the person. So the nonverbal is I'm listening even though I'm moving, okay? I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. You walk, you walk, you're nodding, the ear is on the juror, and you turn when you get to the opposite side of the jury box, and you reestablish the eye contact. It's okay to break eye contact. And here's why. Eye contact does not equal respect. Eye contact equals engagement. Those are two totally different things. When we're talking about eye contact, when we make eye contact with something or someone, we are saying, I want to engage with you or this. This is why when I train attorneys how to use visuals in the courtroom, I say, what do you want the jurors to engage with now, you or the visual? Because if it's the visual, then you need to look there because you need to get the jurors to engage with it. And again, they're going to follow your eyes, so you need to be looking there. If you want the jurors to engage with you, then why the fuck do you have the visual? Get rid of it. Meaning, why do you have a visual if you're not going to train yourself and the jurors to look at it and engage with it? So it's engagement. You know, this is why when I'm on the MAX train here in Portland and, you know, I get on and there's some creepy dude, I don't make eye contact with him. Well, I don't want to engage with him. Eye contact is this like secret agreement of we're now going to engage with each other. This is why it's oftentimes hard, again, for those jurors to process because eye contact is this secret commitment that we will look at each other. And when he's looking or she's looking at you, they can't often, sometimes they can, but they can't often go into their own processing. That's why it's hard. So eye contact equals engagement. And we have to be really careful about when and how we want to engage. Do I want to engage with the jury when an objection is happening? No. I want them to engage with opposing counsel. Get it all over on that side so that it's not attached to you. Do I want to engage when there's negative information? No. I want the jury to keep that on the piece of paper or on the visual, not with me. I want them to associate that with me. So look where you want people to engage. If you want the jury to engage with you, make eye contact. If you want the jury to engage with opposing counsel, look at opposing counsel. If you want the jury to engage with a visual, look at the visual. It really is that simple. Remember that eye contact isn't the only way to communicate listening. So for those of you who are really having trouble with this, you still go back to the other podcasts. There's still the nodding, the tilting of the head, the making sounds. And in and, and today's podcast, the whole training the ear on the juror, even if your eyes are not trained on them. But you've got to get rid of this idea that eye contact is the holy grail of respect because it isn't. And in fact, if you continue to carry the story around with you, you're going to get in trouble non-verbally. All right. We've already just mentioned some of the things in this podcast. You, people have problem processing. You'll never be able to move normally in the courtroom. You'll be associated with information you don't want to be associated with, so on and so forth. You've got to be really in tune with what's needed. So the general rule of thumb, again, is that you want whatever you want jurors to engage with, that's where you, you need to look. So if it's with you, then look at them, so on and so forth. 
That is the key to eye contact. Get rid of the story that it means respect. It doesn't. You can turn your back to the audience. You can walk away from jurors. There are ways to do these things and reasons to do these things. And that means you have to let go of the story that eye contact is something that can never be touched. It's the whole thing that nothing will ever be able to to match it. Not true. Not true. It's especially when you think about this in terms of other of cultures, for example. It's not like that in other cultures. There's lots of different ways that people engage in terms of eye contact, and it's it's not always this one-way thing. In fact, uh, not making eye contact in some cultures is a, is a sign of respect. So the absolute opposite of what we're talking about here. The thing about nonverbal communication, the thing about nonverbal intelligence is doing things at the right time. Is there a time to make eye contact? Absolutely. Are there times to avoid it or avert your eye contact? Absolutely. Is there a time where you want to direct jurors' eyes in different places? Absolutely. So get smart about it instead of having these arbitrary rules that you picked up at some presentation skills class. It's all about what is needed now. When you can deliver that, that's when permission starts to go up. We're talking about and what makes a great presenter, what makes a great trainer, uh, teacher, is someone who can really manage the whole experience. And part of managing the experience is directing jurors what, what you want them to do non-verbally. Your eye contact is a huge part of that. It's getting them to look where you want them to look and being really systematic about that. And I know that this goes against your instincts, but once you get the hang of this, it really increases your leadership in the courtroom because you're doing what's needed instead of following some sort of script. All right, so I hope that is helpful information for you and to get rid of this idea that eye contact uh, means respect. It actually means engagement. And uh, I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much. That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sorry Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sari's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today. And until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.